Amen. The Lord is our salvation. Amen. Amen. If you'll reach for your Bibles with me and turn in your Bibles to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 7, we'll be starting in verse 9 this morning. If you're in need of a Bible, there should be a pew Bible located in front of you. You can find today's scripture reading on page 1,223. Follow along as I read Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9, reading through the end of the chapter. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Father, we come this morning, Lord. Father, we praise you. Father, for who you are, for your character, for your goodness, your mercy, your long-suffering, and the list goes on and on. Lord, open our hearts. Father, cast away any distraction here this morning amongst us, Lord, that we would hear from you. Be with Brother Jim as he brings today's word, and we thank you for the message. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What a joy it is for Sharon and me to be with you today. We have looked forward to this uh, since the last time. And uh, we are on a, we're on a cycle, I think. Every five years we get to come. Sometimes it's four, but, you know, sometimes it's five. It's, a, it's fine. I'm, I, I forgive you. Um, we are so blessed to be a part of World Outreach Celebration here at LifeBridge Bridge. Uh, it's always a highlight for us. Over the years, you have been such a generous and caring church for us. You have uh, walked with us through through our ministry and through our our family, and it just it's just been a blessing. We our long term relationship with LifeBridge and Glenwood before uh, you've invested in us from the very beginning. Uh, we've we've told this story lots of times and lots of times this week, but we were approved as missionaries of the Baptist Bible Fellowship to Ecuador in May of 1978 on a Tuesday. And that Sunday, that first Sunday as missionaries, uh, we were without a job. Our pastor let us go that week because we were now missionaries and he was an Adrian. And 
no use double dipping, is there? So we, we became missionaries, dependent on churches for our support, and our first visit was right here at, at this church on that Sunday morning, and Pastor Tyrone and, and led the church to support us, and so uh, you became our, uh, in, the, in that first group of churches, and we're so, so pleased to uh, have a long-term relationship with you. That was 44 and a half years ago, and uh, as far as I can tell, we're going to keep doing it, and You'll keep doing your part. We'll keep doing our part, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, you're, there's a genuine friendship and, and like-mindedness with, with your church, with your pastors, pastoral staff, and the missions team. And it's just, it's just great to be, to be here. It's, it feels like going home. We're finishing up a great week. We've, um, we've had a good week here. We've had Kansas City barbecue. Goodness. Um, <laughs> I, we've had it more than once, and it's been great, and I thought you guys would be happy about that. We've helped the uh, city economy, and uh, it's, it's just been great. Uh, we've, we've eaten really well. We've had some amazing reports from Greece and Belgium and Ecuador and Mongolia. We've been challenged to pray, to think, to consider, to give, to be involved in getting the news of Jesus Christ around the world because salvation belongs to the Lord. We have been asked to pray for specific needs and concerns. We've had a really good week. I love the theme of the conference this week, this year. It's truly a celebratory theme. We can celebrate because salvation belongs to the Lord. We've read in our text this morning, and I won't reread all of it, but I do want to read the first two verses of our text in verse 9 and 10. Uh, one more time, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. The church from all ages gathers clothed in white, symbolizing innocence and purity, palm branches in their hands, proclaiming the victory that has been won, conquering the world, the flesh, and the devil. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God alone is the author of our salvation. He is the author of the salvation of all the human race. This salvation is procured and given to people through the Lord God in the person of His Son and His propitiatory sacrifice. Because He gave His life, because of that atonement of the Lamb of God, we have access to the salvation that belongs to our Lord. Jesus had said that there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. So it's no wonder that here in Revelation we find the angels taking such an interest in the gathering together of an innumerable multitude who are fully saved from their sins. There is rejoicing. If they're rejoicing over one, how must that look like? when they rejoice over all of these who have been saved. The righteousness comes only from being washed 
in the blood of the Lamb. There is no other righteousness available. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags, leprous, sore, pussy rags. That's our righteousness. The righteousness of his, uh, that we proclaim for eternity is his righteousness. This salvation which belongs to our God is all-encompassing. It is freedom from our sin. It is freedom from the judgment of our sin. The sentence of death for our sin. We have been pardoned as if we had never sinned. Totally justified by faith and by His grace. We can add nothing. We can subtract anything. We cannot subtract anything from His salvation. We cannot attain it by ourselves. It is His property. It is His prerogative. It belongs to Him. The eternal salvation brings all of these uh, accompanying benefits that are found in the Scripture reading this morning. We will be forever in the presence of the one on the throne, the author and the finisher of our faith, the Lamb who was slain for us. We will be in His presence forever. We will serve Him continually. We will hunger no more. We will never thirst. We will not be affected by the elements of weather. The Lamb will be our shepherd. We will be fed by Him. This shepherd will guide us to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes in an affectionate way. The Father will dry the tears from our eyes. All causes of distress and grief will be gone. We will be surrounded by pure happiness because we were washed clean. Salvation belongs to Him. Because we know some of these details about our future, we desire to share the good news with those who are around us. That causes that to happen. We have found the good news. We want to share it with others. For years, LifeBridge has been sending missionaries with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with these good news of the salvation of the Lord all around the world. You've sent some of your very own. You've sent people you know and you love and you care about. The gospel is good news. But for it to remain good news or to continue being good news, it must be shared with those who have not yet heard. For as long as there are people living in darkness, there remains the need to send the light. Anytime a heart turns from darkness to light, more worship happens. And that's the goal. For God so loved the world, people everywhere need to know that they can bring their failures to the foot of the cross. Let's review some basic facts this morning. What would be the first question? The gospel is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of mankind. Let's not complicate it. That's the gospel. Let's not make it difficult to understand. Let's not add anything to it. Let's not add some other uh, requirements. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel always involves the verb to go. The gospel is associated in the scriptures with our feet. Isaiah 52 verse 6, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. 
How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have, have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In Ephesians six fifteen, in the, in the uh, armor of God, it says, and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. If we have received the good news, we must get up and go. Go is involved. Where? Question number two. Where? Where do we take this good news? Pretty clear, isn't it? Every tribe, every kindred, every family group, all of our relatives, every group of people needs to hear every tongue, that is to say all languages. Every language on earth should have the scriptures available to them, and there are still many who don't. Every nation or tribe or kindred or people group ought to hear the good news in the language of their heart. Along with Bible translation, literacy classes must follow, and then the, the printing and the publishing of the scriptures. All of that is involved. We must get the gospel into all the world. Every nation, every ethnos, every people group, every ethnicity. How are we doing? We have 7.8 billion people. Many of them, half or more, have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Every culture, every race, every people, every tongue. The truth is we are making progress. Your missionaries, the ones that you support and pray for and give to, are starting churches. They are developing leaders. They are training pastors. They're evangelizing young people. They're translating the scriptures. The beginning months of the pandemic, LifeBridge sent $1,000 to help provide pandemic relief to some very faithful pastors. In Ecuador, it was desperate situations. And without being coaxed or begged out of your own heart, you gave to relief, give them some relief. There are people in Mongolia, in Greece, in Belgium who still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our gospel message is to be heard by everyone. But my message this morning, that was all introduction. My message is how? How do we do this? May I suggest to you that we do this missions thing passionately. That's the adverb we want to use today. How? Let's do it passionately. Passion is an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. Do you know a Christian who is, or are you a Christian who is, more passionate or more excited about a sports team than you are about the Lord himself? It's okay to be excited about those things. It's sad for those of us who 
come from the Rockies. Um, but we, we, we enjoy watching your guy, too. It's okay to be excited about things of this life. It's excited to be excited about barbecue and, and chiefs and, and, and weather and, and the things that happen. It's good to be, to have emotions. But is that what you're most excited about? Are you a Christian who is more passionate or more excited about your political opinions than you are about the Lord himself? Are you a Christian who's more concerned about your personal comfort level, your preferred worship style, or your convenience than you are about the Lord himself? When we become passionate about God himself, our lives take on a new meaning and purpose and new priorities. It's an intense desire. It's an enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, en, meaning in, or within, and theos, meaning God. Passion can mean in God or God in. Does that sound familiar? Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. What better understanding of the source of real passion can there be than this understanding that passion comes from having God's presence within us? That rather takes the pressure off of the missionary or the pastor or the teacher to provide the passion. The excitement of fulfilling the Great Commission comes from within us. Please listen carefully. Christ in you means that you alone, by yourself, do not and cannot keep your passion for God alive. It's not up to you. You have to trust him. You have to submit yourself to him. Passion for the gospel or passion for the purposes of God is not something we manufacture within us under our own power. It's not something we have to talk ourselves into. It's not something that comes from the performance of someone else. It is supernatural. It is God in us. We believe the Holy Spirit of God indwells the believer from the moment of salvation. The New Testament clearly teaches that doctrine. Holy Spirit of God lives within us. We are the temples. We are the the places of, of habitation of the Lord himself. That happened at the moment of of our salvation. And we are then filled by the Spirit of God as we submit ourselves to him and we separate ourselves from our sin, we are filled with his presence and his power. Passion then would be that spark provided by God's Holy Spirit that ignites us to fulfill the purpose that was given by God. It is what happens when we submit ourselves to him. I would hope this morning that the passion is what helps you determine how you become involved in fulfilling the Great Commission. How are you going to pray this year? How are you going to start praying for missionaries? How about passionately? 
allowing the Spirit of God who indwells you to guide you in those prayers. You will find your prayer life much more fulfilling. You'll, 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 in, you'll enjoy it more. You'll, you'll, you'll look forward to it. How will you give? May I suggest passionately? God loves cheerful givers, right? Have you heard that before? Okay. God loves what? Whoa, that was the saddest cheerful I've ever heard. Try saying the word cheerful, cheerfully, okay? God loves cheerful. Whoa, there you got it. Passionately. God is in us. He's provided for us. He's given us all we need, and he's asking us to give back so that he can send forth laborers into the harvest. Jesus said in both Luke and Acts that he was going to send his followers what the Father had promised. But he said, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The promised gift was the Holy Spirit of God. He clothes us with power. His passion fills us. He comforts us. He teaches us. He empowers us. He counsels us. He convicts us. He intercedes for us. Our life depends on Him living within us, and He gives us the power to share the good news with other people, to witness of Christ to the nations. So let's allow Him to do that. Continually allow God's Spirit to pour passion into you. He will. The life will pour abundantly then from you and through you into others. You will find a life of unstoppable passion because it is fueled by God himself. We're not talking about positive thinking, although it wouldn't hurt some of you to have a positive thought once in a while. We've enjoyed our time with you, but no. Um, we're not talking about convincing yourself. We're not talking about manufactured motivation. Put your earplugs in and go to sleep listening to somebody jibber-jabber about positive stuff. We're talking about waking up in the morning, knowing that you were born for this day, knowing you are in Christ, Christ is in you, and there's a purpose in front of you. Living passionately. What causes people to go with the gospel when they know they are going to face severe opposition and even persecution. Passion. The Spirit of God living within us. What keeps a network of pastors in Ecuador and in other countries continue in ministries that are difficult under most circumstances? And even when COVID restrictions were strangling them, what keeps them going? It's passion. It's knowing that God is in me, performing his, his purpose in my life, because salvation is from the Lord. It belongs to him. Why are we investing what is left of our lives to the, in the lives of new generations of pastors and Bible students throughout Latin America? It's simply fulfilling what God has for us. 
It's a passion. Why are these other three families going to the ends of the earth? Why do you have missionaries represented by these flags in many countries of the world today proclaiming the truth of Christ? What kept the early Christians hard at work spreading the gospel? Even though they saw their fellow believers imprisoned and tortured and knew that they themselves could be thrown into stadiums where they would be torn to pieces by wild animals before a crowd fired up by bloodlust, what caused that? It's knowing that the power of God was within them. They were temples of the Spirit of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This passion should fuel our obedience to the will of God and to the Word of God. Some of us are getting older. Okay. All of us are getting older. We may lose some of our energy, but we need not lose our passion for the gospel. We need not lose our passion for obedience to the God of the Bible. Some of you are much younger. Let me encourage you right now. Do not depend upon your strength. Do not depend on your imagination. Allow the Spirit of God to impassion you for the gospel of Christ because salvation belongs to the Lord. Therefore, let's cooperate with Him. Let's cooperate with Him in getting this good news of salvation to every heart and to every ear. Let's tell others. Let's pray for the harvest. Let's give of ourselves for that which we which will outlive us as we store up treasures in heaven. Let's give generously, abundantly, knowing that God will be glorified by even our giving. And then let's give our lives. If there are to be new missionaries going to new places where the gospel has not yet reached, where are they going to come from? With all due respect, they will not come from the seminary. They may go through the seminary, but they need to come from churches just like this one. It will come from youth groups just like yours. It will come from Sunday school classes just like yours. You call them something else now, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> the children's ministry, um, they're going to come from places where they hear the gospel. They're going to come from our families. The old missionary hymn, Old Zion Haste, Thy Mission High Fulfilling. Give of thy sons to bear the message glorious and give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. If we're to fulfill the Great Commission, LifeBridge will need to send some people. People will need to leave the comfort of this place and the, 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 the encouragement that you receive here and the, the, the spiritual growth that happens here. You're going to have to leave this place and go somewhere far away, learn another language, deal with another culture, put up with different kinds of climate. Someone is going to have to say, here am I, send me. Someone is going to have to say, I'm willing to go it will be someone more than likely who understands 
the passion. That it is the power of God that lives within us that fulfills this. It is not ourselves. It's not our talents and our ability and our skill sets, our personalities. It is God working in us. So let's remember. Behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Heavenly Father, your word has spoken to our hearts today. You have empowered, you have indwelt your people. We have heard the good news. We have accepted the good news. And you stand continually calling out, as you did in Isaiah, who will go, who will preach, who will tell this people I pray that today there would be someone that would say, Here am I. Send me. Here is my family. Let us go. Allow us to go and take the good news. I pray, Lord, that you would move in the hearts of your people here today. And for those who are hearing of this missions enterprise for the first time this week, I pray that you would soften their hearts and encourage them to get involved and to pray and to give, beginning wherever they can get, begin and watch you grow their faith and grow their offering. I pray for those who've been doing this for a long time that you would encourage them and let them know that there's fruit abounding to their account all over the world because they have prayed and they have given in the past and may we be motivated to do more and to continue on and doing what you want us to do. Father, I pray your blessing on your church, on your people. Help us, Lord, to be passionate about you because salvation belongs to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our response here this morning is, is quite clear. It is quite simple. And that is to first give of ourselves, to surrender our lives to the Lord. Why? Because salvation belongs to the Lord, and we have experienced that through faith in Jesus Christ. And now out of a gratitude, we, we surrender our lives. And the second step after that is to then give of our finances so that we can continue to support the cause of global missions around the world. And so I want us to take a few minutes to give opportunity to do just that. I'm going to ask Zach here, if you can think of, just play quietly. And for a few minutes, right where you're seated, to have time, if you haven't already, to, to fill this commitment card out. If you don't have one, I, I, I encourage you to stand up and grab one. They're, they're all over the auditorium here. Take it back to your pew. And pray about your commitment to giving to Faith Promise Missions. If you're sitting with your spouse, even quietly pray with your spouse. And just, Lord, what would you give, have us to give? And, 
in whatever you mark down, even have a prayer of, of commitment. Lord, use our giving here this next year that you might be glorified, that the salvation that belongs to you through our giving through LifeBridge would glorify you. Some of you, all of us, to even pray about giving our lives to the Lord, surrendering our hearts. Lord, at least here locally in what we do, wherever we work, of sharing the salvation that belongs to the Lord. And perhaps some, God is even calling you to go globally. Would you consider that even this morning? And so while Zach prays, uh, plays here, in the quietness of our hearts, in praying and dedicating ourselves and our giving to him, would you take a few minutes to do that?